This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I don't think we're going to go back to the days of, you know, the way it was, you know, Kobe and, you know, like the back and forth at the end and stuff yeah. like that. But like I said, I do, yeah. yes, I do feel yeah. like there were some changes like it started to get better and then this 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 to me feels like an abomination so i'm hoping oh, abomination <laughs> it wasn't that bad it really it no it really was question yes can something be hard to watch if nobody watched it <laughs> Don't try it, Mike. Don't try it. Record low ratings for the All-Star game. So what y'all complaining about? Clearly, y'all have better things to do anyway. Right? Well, ratings are an interesting thing, right? Because it tracks how people do it from the beginning to the end. So there were a lot of people who started to watch it and then tapped out because they were like, oh, come on. I'm not spending my time on this. Listen, it was just really bad. And you know how I felt about like people saying, oh, it's All-Star. What do you expect? It's always like this. This yeah, is an I said ex- that. <laughs> I mean, you said like... people. Yeah, I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is an extreme, extreme example. But it's sort of like you know when like people would talk about the presidential candidates, like Trump and Hillary. And they're like, oh, but they're both bad candidates. It's like these are not two equals. <laughs> it, it's not like it was just really, 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 really awful. Now, hopefully, even though it was an abomination. It was just an aberration. I do know that Ooh, the all-star game. All right, game, with the LSAT words. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bar right there. <laughs> I do know that the all-star game, generally, it's not as competitive as it used to be. It's not as exciting. And that's why the league implemented many, you know, different things to try to help it. And to me, it was getting a little bit better. I do think the city plays like a major factor in it. And I'm a little concerned because next year, I believe, is in Indiana. I hear the Bucks, you know, are looking to make their city, you know, one of the all-star cities. And I get it. Like, every city should get a chance. But I would worry with some of those cold weather cities and certain locations that maybe don't have as much going on in them, you could see a similar result. I haven't done this level of research, but do we know historically whether there's because I mean the all-star game has been in a lot of places. It hasn't always been in Vegas or New Orleans or right. Miami or LA. It, do, historically, is there a correlation between location and the quality of the performance? I would venture to say no. I think we're looking for reasons why this year's was so uh, extraordinarily bad and we're pointing at Utah, which frankly Utah is an easy target. Okay, uh, you know, nobody wants to go to Utah. Let's talk about the Sundance Film Festival. Um, So I get it. All right. Uh, It doesn't seem to to jive or fit with NBA culture. So I get that. I don't know that that translates to the court. What I think, and it's so soon to make this proclamation, but I think the draft wasn't all it was cracked up to be. The draft 
was not only supposed to be entertaining to do it live like like in the playground as opposed to doing it on TNT and you mentioned the ratings breakdowns. I think the, the, the half hour preceding the game if I read this correctly the half hour preceding the game uh, there was a ratings increase for that for the draft yep. and that was cool to see who was going to get picked in what order and Giannis's little notepad was funny and you know and him picking uh, job prematurely all it was some good moments aside from Chuck and Kenny and Shaq not realizing that their mics were hot it was uh, pretty damn good um, and sidebar when TNT screws up that makes me feel a lot better like I'll be like you know what <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't worry about some of our technical difficulties. It happens to the best of us, right? Anyway, I digress. Because um, you know how I get around here, so I digress. Um, but the draft was also supposed to spark and instill a level of competitive pride that would make the players play harder. Like, oh, you didn't pick me? Or, oh, I, like, oh, okay, we, we going against each other? Okay, like, and it didn't play out that way except for the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown yeah. snapshot of it all. So what we're missing is not just a level of, of commitment to what this game represents, but a level of intensity that frankly, Natalie, I don't know that we're ever going to see again. And here's why, because I've seen some people say, all right, just go back to East and West. And I even invoke Bud Selig and once upon a time, he was ridiculed for putting World Series home field advantage on the line in the All-Star game. But raising the stakes, obviously, I forget who said it, but money, money does talk. It might have been Shea Gilgis Alexander. Money does talk and, and, and do, I guess, what do you get the people with everything? Give them more of everything. So these rich dudes, give them more money. Maybe they'll show up and play. I don't know. I, again, I'll say what I said on Tuesday or Monday, I think it was, for those that may have missed it. You cannot realistically expect players in a day and age in which they don't take the regular season seriously to take an exhibition seriously, no matter what uh, city it's played in. So when it comes to going back to East and West, I don't know even and even if the stakes are increased, I don't know that that would even bring about uh, the old school intensity that we remember. And here's why. And we talked about it, but I never really connected the two things. Because we have Vinny on on Monday, right? It all kind of runs together for me. Yes. Me, you, and Vinny. Yes. And we were t and we were talking about player movement, this era of player movement, yep. and how it hurts the game. I don't think it hurts the game. I think it hurts this game because back in the day, when players stayed with teams for longer periods of time and built rivalries, not just among one another, but between organizations, that's when East West mattered. Or that's when having Jordan and Isaiah on the same team mattered. Now with players moving so much, playing together so much, teaming up so much, you know, working out together so much, they're all friends. So if you want to know why it looks like a pickup game, because they might as well be a bunch of dudes meeting on a Saturday playing pickup, because that's what it is. They, so even if they do pick their teammates, they're not picking anybody that they're reluctant to pick. LeBron picking Kyrie and they dapping it up and they hugging it out. It's all good. There is no, there's no hatred on the part of East and West because there's no more Lakers Celtics. There's no more Pistons Bulls. There's no, there's no more Jazz Bulls. There's no more dudes that just don't like each other. And so if you don't like each other, if you like each other during a regular season and y'all all hanging out at the same parties, there was once upon a time, and I remember, I think it was, I think it was Giannis that got a lot of credit for saying 
that he did not want to work out with work. any of his competition. Was, was that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was Giannis. Mm -hmm. There was a time when these dudes didn't want nothing to do with each other. When Magic and Bird doing a commercial together was like, yeah. oh, okay, they're actually burying the hatchet to do this Converse commercial. Yep. Nowadays, they're all too buddy-buddy. And so I just think that this ship has sailed. So what I would ask, I never said that it was not a, a bad exhibition as exhibitions go. I just said, this is what it's going to be and it is what it is. So I would ask, what is this realistic solution to where, like you said, this abomination turns out to be just an aberration? How do we fix this? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I don't know that I alone or anyone has the answers, but I think I think getting the dudes at the top to like buy in and work with them to figure it out because, you know, Braun, Steph, Katie, like those guys are still, still at the top. And again, Braun left the game early. I mentioned this when we were on on Monday. Steph didn't play. Katie didn't play. I think those guys, the way they grew up and Steph, like with his father, and they grew up, you know, Ke Kevin Durant idolizes Kobe. I just think they appreciate what the All-Star game meant a little bit more. And I think if you somehow get them to lead with the importance somehow with the younger players, then maybe maybe they'll they'll follow suit. So I think that's one way I mentioned before, like partnering with Nike in some way. I, I still want to kind of push back a little bit, though, on the, the location argument. And I guess another year maybe will tell us or, or maybe it won't tell us anything. But I think not just the ratings were low, but even attendance, you know, and when you're in a city like a L.A. or a New York, you know, all the stars come out, people come out. Mm -hmm. And I think the mm -hmm. players are inclined to put on a show, you know, when there's a big audience and when there's people. The stars there. were just there. So maybe they left. I mentioned Sundance. The, st the stars were all just <laughs> in Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah, so I don't. I just don't think it was as many. You know, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I know they were there for Sundance, but so I do think that that plays a factor. And I do think overall, when you just don't want to be in a place and you're unhappy to be there, and again, no one has come out and said that. Sure. But it sure. it affects all the other stuff you do. You know, it's like when I work at a place I don't enjoy, like yeah, I show up and do my work, but you don't get the best version yeah. of Natalie. No, I hear you. Um, listen, since we sound like old men and women yelling at clouds, and this is a bunch of get off my lawn stuff, maybe, maybe I don't know what kind of condition. I know Shaq and Chuck can't do it, but are there some old heads out there that could still get buckets? Because if this is going to be a glorified layup line with no defense and no physicality involved, let's get the old school versus the new school together. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll, maybe the old, look, get, show these young bucks how it's done. They, some of these old dudes can still get out there and hoop, get out there and have a, a great game, an all-timers game versus a contemporary game like the kids do in 2K now anyway. I don't know if you play 2K. My son plays it. I watch it. All-time Lakers and all-time you yeah. know, Bulls and all-time. So maybe we do something like that. Um, you got to get switching some of those guys from, to, oh, sorry. I say you got to get some of those guys from Ice Cube's League and maybe some of them can come play. There you go. There you go. Um, switching gears real quick because I'm just looking at your feed. You still on this MVP thing? And by the way, since I'm not as active in these Twitter streets as I used to be, my mentions ain't exactly, you know, popping, right? You know, so I check Twitter every now and then. I don't expect to see a shit ton of notifications. But lo and behold, boy, where are these notifications coming from? Did I do something? Did I say something? Like, what I miss is Natalie and Natalie disguised as the uh, brother from another handle, the Holly and Smith handle. So from both accounts, 
<laughs> going back and forth about this damn MVP thing. What else? What else do you have to say about this? Why is this keeping you up at night or it's, early in the morning, as the case may be? It's not keeping me up at night, but we we talked about MVP and our audience had a lot of reactions to it that we will get in tomorrow when we get into the comments. But they loved our discussion, and so I thought let's make sure that NBA Twitter knows about it, and they had a lot to say. So you know I should share good content when it's available, and that's why I did it. Michael Smith, isn't that what so you, you want me to so do? That is what you're supposed to do. So you got <laughs> postscripts on this. And B should have been MVP by player standards. Elaborate. Yes. Well, I'm really there was a uh, there was a survey that was conducted of like several players who were at the All Star asking them a bunch of different questions, and one of them was about whether or not there should be a minimum standard. Um, in terms of the number of games players have to play. I mean, you yes. mentioned it on I your I think it feed. was DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, yeah. DeMar DeRozan so, said like 78. Yeah. Yeah, his, his take was a little ridiculous. But the rest of the players <laughs> were all sort of like, you know, um, I don't think there should be really any standard or like if you're hooping, you're hooping, you know, 50 games. There were a variety of different takes. I think, you know, De'Aaron Fox was like, maybe like the 60, you know, range, but they didn't feel as strongly about that. And so I'm just tying it back to Embiid because a knock against him always was the number of games played and, you know, that kind of a thing. And so I'm just saying, like, if that was something we took away and weren't so focused on it, then to me, that really would make him the MVP. Or he should have at least won one of these, these, you know, past two. I already said I thought it should have been him last year. Personal question. Yes. Personal question. Sure. I didn't think to ask this on uh, the other day we talked about it oh, Tuesday. Goodness. I didn't think to ask this when we talked about nervous. it. Nervous. Nervous. Don't be nervous. No, don't be nervous. Okay. Um, we found out at the Super Bowl in Arizona that you are an Eagles fan. I am. Are you also a Sixers fan? No. Oh no, you're a Warriors fan. But yes. are you? But do you like? Okay, you're a Warriors fan. Everybody knows that. But are you? Who do you have any connection or? In Philadelphia, a long time ago. But you know. <laughs> Okay, I didn't know if I, yeah, we know why you like the Eagles because of their quarterbacks. I didn't know if you had, you know, maybe more than one team. I know you ride and die for the for the Warriors. And you know, again, the Warriors once were in Philadelphia, you know, so oh, there you, you go. You don't know this. My other team is the Celtics in the East. Not above didn't the Warriors, that. but that's who gotcha. like if I'm rooting for an East team, it's the Celtics. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And the reason I asked that was because this all comes back to you just can't get over last year. You've acknowledged that Jokic is deserving. He's not, you don't think he's deserving of being the runaway MVP favorite. The first one I think you're probably fine with, other than the fact that Giannis was, according to you, operating under a double standard when it comes to voter fatigue than what we're seeing with Nikola Jokic now. Yeah. It seems like your biggest issue is last year's because yeah, Embiid I- didn't get it last year. I, yes. It sounds like Embiid would have been yours. Yes, Embiid would have been mine last year, but that's my biggest issue. And just from what my perception, what I believe is the the voting the voting media applying a different standard than they typically do to players who win consecutive MVPs, and that's it. Those are it's not a personal issue with Jokic, and I know that's hard for people to separate. It's not an issue I, with Jokic, but it's it is not an issue all. with your. But it is an issue with your guy didn't win. And I'm not saying that you're not objective. You don't look at the facts. You don't look at the statistics. But you and I have been talking on and off camera about narrative. Ain't no new thing under the sun. Narrative has always been around. Everybody votes according. I never said I never denied that narrative was a part of it. What I'm saying is who's to determine what narrative is better than another one. And that's subjective. 
That, that's see, totally subjective. Right, but you also mentioned this yesterday with the Russ, like when we were talking about Russ and that I was suggesting mm-hmm. something different was done for him. It's not about a narrative. The the MB, the the MVP award is always narrative driven. That's not what I'm saying. Correct, because everybody's what, got great stats. Right. What I'm saying is the standard of typically being best player on the best team, and what I mean by that is not literally the best player on the number one team, but typically right. a player who's at the top, so top one through three seed, who's putting up the stats. That's what I'm saying is the the difference of what happened. It happened with Russ, and then with, with Jokic it did as well. Like, eventually his team got up, I think, into the top four seed, but if you look back at the first two seasons when they won, when he won MVP. The way those seasons started, there was a point in time that they were below 500 and you weren't even sure if they were going to get to a top four seed. It's just not typical of when we're looking at an MVP. We're not considering players who are like low in the standings and 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 it's just not typical of what happens. And I, it ha- I supported his first MVP. I thought it could have been him or Embiid, but I was really fine with either. And I remember arguing with Philly fans like, stop it. You guys are acting like he doesn't deserve it. And he does. Yeah. And then the second one, I just really felt that like, I felt that Embiid deserved it. I felt he played the requisite number of games that people, you know, ding him for. And so I did feel he was the candidate. But again, in no year do I think Jokic didn't put up an MVP level year. I just. Yo, you made that clear. Two things we do true at the same time. On Embiid, sidebar, um, I agree with DeMar DeRozan. I think there should be a pretty high threshold of games played. Back in the day, sorry, they used to play all 82 games. This low maintenance thing should not. Uh, curb the standard by which we judge MVPs because the best ability is availability. I think it does matter if you're available to your team far more often than not. Sometimes you can't control it. Sometimes guys get hurt and that's just bad luck. And but nonetheless, if you play every game, you should be rewarded. You should actually factor into it somewhat, not the end all be all, but somewhat. Secondly, I get that it may feel like when we look back, we'll we'll try to say, wait, how does a guy like Joel Embiid not have an MVP award? How did he have these brilliant, this brilliant stretch of his career and not have one MVP to show for it? There's a lot of NBA players who were born at the wrong time. And Nikola Jokic, I, I just maintain, is performing at such a historic level with the team. And we talked about them not having the best record in the league. They got about one game to the Celtics. No, y- yes, that, that's where they are right now. But what I'm saying is, to me, I look at the race. I, the, the, to me, one of the issues I have with the MVP race is that a lot of times what happens earlier in the season is forgotten, right? And so when I say the Celtics have had the best record in the NBA, yes, right now they're close. I thought you were going to say when Embiid worked, uh, Nikola Jokic had to head. Yeah, no, he did. No, he did. But when I say, like, they're like, the the difference in their record is minor right now. But the Celtics got off to such a hot start, and they were dominant for most of the season, and they were playing so well. And I think there's something to be said when you just start off like that, and you're dominant, and you're great. And, And tonight, not overlook it and so a lot of things like with Embiid in the past you're like he he started off hot but then like you know he had some injuries some things happen and sure. that sort of gets forgotten for like what happens later in the year so one of the things people brought up is like oh Jokic worked him in the head-to-head last year and I'm like what are we doing but like do we forget what happened in the earlier game so that's what I mean it's a whole season and I don't know that that's always looked at in full when we're considering well, these things well speaking of which let's get to uh, before we bring in Kurt Healing for Pro Basketball Talk. But first, I want to see your, you had some homework for us, your top five storylines as the NBA season resumes 
uh, tonight. Yeah, so um, MVP race, no shock. I want to know if Embiid or Tatum can overtake Jokic. And I think part of the reason that might be possible is because of Giannis's injury, which is unfortunate, but it makes way for um, the Celtics to create some separation in the East or also for um, for the Sixers to get the second. So season. their narrative can be helped is what you're yes, saying. Yes, yes. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how will Katie and Kyrie affect the West standings? Self-explanatory, right? They're in the West, so the West is jumbled. Let's see what happens there now with the additions of those players. Uh, and then I think additionally, uh, the Lakers, I mean, people always care about the Lakers, right? They always care about yeah. Braun. And so they made some changes. I'm not moved by them, but let's see. Will it be enough for them to make, I should have said the play-in probably, but will it be enough for them yeah. to make the playoffs? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And then um, also, will Westbrook Staying help or hurt the Clippers? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like they were starting to look good and now I don't know. And then also just the buyout market. Like, will there be any more action in the buyout market? And those are my my top five storylines. Very well done. Now our own Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk, he they have their own top five storylines, which he has listed on probasketballtalk.com here at NBC Sports. And with that, we welcome in Kurt Heelan to talk some sense into me. Natalie has all the sense when it comes to these NBA. No, we gotta talk some sense into Natalie. No. How do you leave it? Okay. No, no. Giannis's injury is not gonna keep him out of this. He's only gonna miss a game or two, and he is storming the MVP race. Like I, I don't think you can leave him out. Like he's Oh, I don't leave him out. In the, he's in the middle of it, man. He's, but because he's injured right now, that's why I said that. But I don't leave, yeah, leave I, him out. And I would like I any one of those players th- to get a real chance. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna miss too much time. I knock on you know, knock on wood over here somewhere. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> Um, but if he only misses a game or two, it's not a big deal. But I'm I'm also with Michael. Like, I don't even look at when I'm – I'm one of those voters that you can yell at from last year. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't look at games played as much as minutes. Like, I want to see how big a gap there are. Like, you know, if you put – somebody was talking about this. If you put the games played – like, you got to play 70 games, you're going to get a bunch of Giannis in the All-Star game – I'm going to score this first bucket, I'm out. <laughs> Moments where guys are like, yeah, played in the game, you know. That's a good point. Like, so yeah. minutes played. And right now, by the way, it's not that huge a gap. Like, it's even with all the injuries and stuff, because, I mean, Jokic has missed a little time. He's got about 150 minutes on Embiid and Antetokounmpo, who are really close, and Tatum's got a few more because he hasn't really missed much time. So, like, I don't know that that's going to be as big a factor this year. I hope yeah. not. So, so Natalie and I have been going back and forth for seemingly like all week about uh, this straw poll from ESPN, which has Nikola Jokic yeah. in a comfortable lead with only yeah, what, 23 games left. How do you feel about that? I, was surpri- I wasn't surprised Giannis was in front, but I was surprised by the gap. Like, I was surprised it was that far back. Was it Giannis second and um, was it Tatum third or Embiid third? Embiid third. I was yeah. surprised, like, was it 77 first place votes? I think it that gap caught me off guard because I, to me, like, it's really close. It's just I'm watching these last few months and I'm and trying to get as much of these guys in person as I can if when they're coming, especially if they're coming through LA, um, but also get watch a lot of them because I really think the stretch is going to matter for this. And, and Natalie Tapp touched on this. It is so hard to avoid recency bias. It is so hard to say what I see over those last 
23 games is going to weigh this more than some of the other things. So, so Kurt, I, not to not to hard. not to put you on a spot, not to put you on a spot to have to speak for all your fellow voters, but the source of our conversation has been to what would you attribute when nobody's won three straight in nearly 40 years since Larry Bird? To what would you attribute Nikola Jokic? being it's having such a healthy lead. You see it as close. Natalie sees it as close. Why does he have such an healthy lead? What's at play here? I think part of it is a I I think we value like there's a certain level of hey, there's a lot of historic precedent here, right? Because we're talking about Bird was the only one voted in by the media three times. The players did um, Russell and Wilt. But the weight of that was going to be like, how much was that going to care? And I think with a lot of media members, it carries less than it used to. Like that precedent, that history isn't carrying the same weight. And even for me, who's like, man, if if he's going to do it this year, if I'm going to vote for Jokic at the end, and I was thinking this before the start of the season, he's going to have to blow the doors off of everybody. Like he's going to have to be crazy. He's going to have to do something like average a triple double. And, and he hasn't done He has. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. averaging a triple double. He's got the best team in the West. And like you said, not far off the best record in the NBA. He's kind of lived up to that. Holy cow standard um, or uh, other words, instead of cow. Um, <laughs> you can say it on the show. <laughs> it's true. I can't say it on the show. We're on pretty The holy shit standard. <laughs> of this thing like he was going to have to do that and he's done it enough where now you got to put him in the mix so i it's i i haven't done like i haven't done a crazy deep dive into this i'm just watching it really closely over the last month it there's only outside of boncaro i don't think anybody's run away well maybe darion fox with clutch although i don't know quite what to do with that one i i don't know anybody's (laughs) running away with an award so listen, uh, before we get before we look ahead and get to y'all storylines, because there's a lot of similarities between y'all storylines for the remainder yeah. of the season. Do want to uh, just put a bow on our ongoing all-star conversation. I know you've called it unwatchable. I'm just asking yeah. for solutions at this point. How do we fix it? Yeah, I wish I had a good answer for you because you kind of were touching on it. We asked Jason, we wasn't me, but in the media room afterwards, Tatum's up on the thing and he was honest, right? And he's like, Somebody said, wouldn't you rather play in a game with some defense and some intensity? And he's like, safety first. I I do not want to get hurt. I do not want to be. And I think as long as we'll call it the load management mindset, but the I have got to be at my peak. I'm not going to risk anything mindset is out there. Then I don't know what you do other than, you know, Corey Robinson on on our podcast the other day was like, hey, let's just turn this into a convention. Let's just do away with the game and make it Comic Con. Televised <laughs> convention. We'll do a three- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll do a three point contest and a dunk contest, but like why are we doing this game? Because there's you know you could try to do three on three or something and it's gonna look yeah. like the flag football thing. Like it's just I don't think there's I don't know that there's a good answer because I don't know and I know you guys talked about this, I don't know how you get the players to care. You can throw some gimmicks in there, but ultimately Right. I don't know what you do to get them to care. And and you can't offer, like somebody said, what about offering them more money to win? These are the max players. Like, how much do you have to run? Like, right, right. I don't think that's feasible, man. Listen, well, um, it, it didn't rate as well as the Pro Bowl. So we know what, what a grip the NFL has on this country, but yeah. it has fallen on hard times and it can't outrate what's passed for the Pro Bowl right now. Okay, as Natalie said earlier, everybody cares about the Lakers. You both have that in your top storylines. Yeah. 
Kurt, does LeBron miss the playoffs for the second straight season? Is the all-time leading scorer at home watching the playoffs? They're... As much as everybody's like, oh, hey, they're only like two and a half games, three and a half games out of the six seed, whatever. They are 13th, man. They got a lot of teams to climb over, and I don't think it's going to be that easy. But the teams they got to climb, some of the teams, the Golden State, Natalie's Warriors, they'll get Curry back. They'll make the playoffs. I'm not really questioning that. But the okay. Pelicans without Zion, can they keep hanging on? I, can, what about Minnesota? Do you really... Does Mike Conley save them? Like, there are teams that the Lakers can climb over. I just think I like the moves they made at the trade deadline. I think they got better. I think Vanderbilt was a sneaky, really good pickup. Um, just somebody, hey, does the dirty work. There wasn't really enough of that going on. Um, I think they get in, but it's, but I don't think they, I think they end up seven or eight. They scare the heck out of Memphis or, or Denver in the first round, but that's as far as it goes. Part of the story. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Natalie. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, just about the West in general, because the way the standings are there. Right. Yeah. So I'm just curious about how you think what's going to happen with the West, you know, with these last remaining games. Like is is, is are the Suns now going to make a push? Are my Warriors going to make a push? I have thoughts on that, but that's fine. What about the Mavs? Like, it's just there's so much that's potential to change. By the way, I loved what. Draymond said about your Warriors and the yeah. defense, like, we just got to, we got to want it. We got to stop waiting for it to flip the switch and go get it. Because um, I think that that's just kind of where they are. Um, the, my number one thing to watch was just this, and Tatum's, again, the teams that really make these deep playoff runs, March is when you see it. Not the last week or two when everybody's kind of resting and ready for the playoffs, right. but March is when all those teams click. And that's kind of what I'm watching for in the West. Is it Denver? Because I think Denver's got all the pieces. They certainly have the matchup nightmare in Jokic. Um, Jamal Murray, is. we've seen him. It was in the bubble, but we saw him go off in the playoffs. Michael Porter Jr. makes a difference. Aaron Gordon's had a fantastic... Like They've got depth. I like it, but I want to see them click in this stretch. What about... Does Memphis... Does... And then there's the Phoenix question. The million dollar, like, on paper... They don't, they don't have a lot of time to gel. They don't have a lot of time. I mean, that's, that's like, the, I, I know, I know they're talented enough to just roll the yeah. ball out and they can, they can get buckets, but it's like these, we've seen how super teams can implode for one yeah. reason or another. You mean to tell me they just going to like be a contender and, and I mean, the Nets tried that for crying out loud and having not played together and contending yeah. in 20 games, assuming Durant comes back next week, they're going to, they're going to be a contender. I'm skeptical. You should be. Here's the thing I'm really uh, – yeah, I am too. Here's Because I'm not sure about their defense, but here's the thing I'm really watching. DeAndre Ayton. Hey, DeAndre, mm-hmm. I know you've been really happy so far and gotten along great with everybody um, and your coach. What we're going to do is take <laughs> away some of your post touches. We're going to ask you to set picks, roll to the rim, play defense and rebound, and just be a glorified fourth option role player. Are you good with that? Um, like, yeah. <laughs> um, that's the kind of thing I'm watching. Like – if he buys in and everybody buys in and maybe they can develop some chemistry and, and build a little in the first round and who knows, because on paper, they're you know, Kevin Durant's instant contender, man. You just add water, instant contender. But guys, do you believe in do you, Natalie? Do you buy on DeAndre Ayton playing a role? I don't. And I mean, I just feel like we've seen in the in the postseason where 
he's become absent and irrelevant and, and they actually need yep. him to be great. So yeah. yeah, I'm not a buyer on the Suns. I would actually love it if the Warriors beat them. So that's my my hope to see them in the postseason. Shocker. I shocker. <laughs> Shock. I would love it if the Warriors beat insert team here. Uh, just like Kevin Durant. Add Kurt Healing. Just add Kurt Healing and you instantly get smarter on all things NBA. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. That's kind of you. Take care, man. Bye, Kurt. It's always great talking to you. Bye, Natalie. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. So Rogers opts to play. You would think the Jets, despite all the noise about, hey, would he like New York? Would he be hesitant to go to New York? Which makes sense and adds up a little bit. But from a roster and football standpoint, the Jets are the best option for Aaron Rodgers at this point. If he's trying to win a Super Bowl in, we'll say, these final two years. There's just a lot of logistics to figure out with the cap, with the trade package, and how to work around those things, especially if it's before June 1st, which makes the salary implications a little different. But that's all going to come down to what Aaron Rodgers wants, and good luck figuring that out. Which is why, Connor Rogers, my question to you, hi, by the way, my question to you would be, um, the Jets, from a roster standpoint, may be the best option for Aaron Rodgers, as you said, but is Aaron Rodgers really the best option for the Jets? If you're the New York Jets, and listen, I'm all about mental health, I'm all about doing what you got to do to center yourself, but do you really want to like attach yourself to a dude who was just in like a hobbit's cave or some shit, you know, with like in, in darkness and like to make a decision about whether or not to make $60 million from the Packers or whether to ask for a trade to wherever he wants to go. I mean, he's probably there for one year. Didn't y'all go down this road before with, oh, I don't know, another former Packers quarterback. I mean, I, I get that the Jets are trying to end this playoff, uh, this, this non-playoff stretch. I get it. I get that they're ready to win now. But it's like it just feels like this has this has the potential to blow up in their face dealing with the guy whose own organization lets some people like Bob McGinn who's been around for a long time whose own organization is tired of him. And now the Jets want in on this mess. I, I don't know if he's the right guy for them, Connor. 
This is what happens, Michael, when you miss at number two on a quarterback and you start shopping in the clearance aisle. And it's no disrespect, not calling Aaron Rodgers a clearance quarterback, but sure. every single quarterback that you look at will have their issues, sure. whether it's Derek off, Carr. Off, off Fifth is a great store. I, I don't know about, shoot, Saks Off Fifth Avenue is a great store. You can find great stuff there. So there's that. <laughs> Absolutely. I think when it comes down to it, the Jets are a desperate team at the quarterback spot. And they're trying to figure out if any of these guys want them. I don't think it's a layup that Derek Carr wants to be there, to be honest with you. When I was at the Senior Bowl <laughs> down in Mobile, Alabama, everything I had heard was the Saints before that visit. That makes we'll sense. see where that yeah. goes. And then you look at Rodgers, nobody knows what he wants at all. I've heard every single corner, whether it's retirement, evenly with going back to Green Bay, evenly with playing somewhere else. And there's just not a lot of places for him to go play when you look at it right now. And then, I mean, honestly, the best option for the Jets that seems unattainable because I can't see Baltimore ever doing this would be to put the best package together to get Lamar Jackson where you have your guy for a very, very long time. But Baltimore, if they trade him, which it feels like every day we get closer to that, it seems so insane. It has to be to the NFC. So this is the problem the Jets find themselves in right now. They are absolutely desperate. Well, you mentioned desperate. They're so desperate, Natalie. Uh, my old friend Dan Rossini said this. They told Derek Carr, and I, people think I got a problem with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is <laughs> the official quarterback and brother from another. I like Derek Carr. I just don't think he's great. I think he's fine. They told this dude. This is one of those where you you tell Connor, close your ears, Natalie. Connor, you know how you, sometimes you got to tell her whatever you got to tell her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it, 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 whatever whatever it takes. You, hey, you know, you, you, you just sometimes. Sometimes you say, I love you. You don't really mean it, but it's necessary in the moment, right? The Jets told this dude that you're going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer if you in here. Come on, bro. Like, I mean, like, like I mean, you ain't got to be that thirsty when you got to lie to the man. Not <laughs> you telling me to close my ears, Connor. <laughs> I would like to know in terms of, well, one, I want to know what you think, like who you think is the best fit. Interestingly enough, we, we put up a poll and you, you brought up Lamar, but so it sounded like Lamar would be someone who you would think is interesting there. But we put up a poll like on our on our social just to see what, you know, our, our, our viewers thought. And Carr is leading the race, but we had Carr, we had Rodgers and we had Lamar Jackson. So I'm curious what you think. Yeah, so I'm not surprised. It feels like the consensus with the public because they don't want to deal with two things with Aaron Rodgers, him himself and how mysterious he is and the fact that he can come play for a year like Brett Favre did and then retire, go somewhere else, whatever it may be, just not want to be there in New York. And then the other part of it is the trade package as well. You do have to trade for Aaron Rodgers while you just have to sign Derek Carr. But I go back to what Michael said. I don't really think Derek Carr is great. I don't know if Derek Carr is good. I think Derek Carr is fine. Does fine get you far in the AFC against Patrick Mahomes? Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. We'll see if Deshaun Watson can get back on stride next year with the Browns. We don't know that. It's not good enough. I, I don't. It's just pure honesty, and it's it's really blunt, and it's a tough thing to say to Jets fans and that fan base I've connected with from doing Jets pre and post game all year every single Sunday. But I think Carr puts them in a position where they're looking at it and going, "This guy will be good enough that maybe we don't get fired." But I don't think he's good enough to win hmm. them playoff games. And that's a yeah. really tough fine line to balance. I like how you put that. Let's turn now because um, you and I will see each other in Indianapolis next week for the scouting combine. Let's turn now to the teams who are looking at quarterbacks uh, the old fashioned way. 
at the top of the draft. And I want to start with well, it doesn't feel like there's a consensus one because I think Stroud is probably the most prototypical polished pastor. He showed some athleticism against Georgia that otherwise had not been consistently on display uh, during his Ohio State tenure. Uh, Bryce Young's the playmaker, but I want to ask about him in a second. Of course, Anthony Richardson has all the upside in the world. Your annual boomer bust prospect given how little he played at Florida. Bryce Young, though, has there been a more important measurement in recent combine history than the height and weight of Bryce Young that we're going to find out next week? I don't think so. Since I've been doing this, the one I think of that was scrutinized was Kyler Murray, but Kyler was a thicker quarterback. He got over that 200-pound mark, and people really didn't care about his height as much because he's one of the most electric runners we've seen at the position, high school to college, and then he took that to the NFL level where they didn't think he'd be in position to get hit a ton, where Bryce is a situation that, uh, real talk, he's not going to come in at 200 pounds. He's not going to come in at six feet tall. I, I would put the over under at five ten and a half for his height. I would say if he can get to uh, 190, that's a massive win for him. And that's crazy to say about a quarterback. Mm. And keep in mind, this is I have him as a top five player. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Yeah. I think the tape doesn't lie. I think player. he can come in and actually play at a really high level right away in the right offense that protects him and has decent, not great, decent wide receivers because he throws with anticipation, he throws with timing, he can manipulate the pocket with his feet. His size, to me, has no impact on his play in or out of the pocket. But if he takes one big shot, what is that going to do to him at under 200 pounds and a guy that's not six feet tall? And that's going to be the talk of town when evaluators go up and stack him, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and a little further away from me than Will Levis. So a fascinating measurement for Bryce Young. This is going to be hyped up around the combine. I'm glad you distinguished. uh, You separated Will Levis because I was my next question was going to be. It doesn't seem like it seems like it's like pick whichever flavor you like. I mean, some people love the tools of Anthony Richardson and the the makeup, even with even though he lacks the experience. Stroud, all he did was light it up at Ohio State. It seems like he has the least amount of questions. So I would ask you put your GM hat on before we let you go. Uh, If you're the Colts, shall we say, and there's a lot of speculation about whether they would move up to one to get their guy of choice in Chicago spot since they don't need a quarterback or the Texans at two uh, or any of these quarterback needy teams. Who's your flavor? Who's your particular uh, favorite quarterback out of this group of three since we've already eliminated Will Levis from Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, Bryce Young, by a pretty good margin, I still have Stroud as a top 12, 15-ish player. Bryce Young's a top five player. Anthony Richardson, more fringe top 20. And then you have Levis, like we said. So here's the kicker for me, if you're the Colts. If you go up to one, not only are you getting the best quarterback, you're also hurting a division rival in Houston where you're getting him. But if that trade package is too much to Chicago... I have no problem sitting at four and taking C.J. Stroud. Your offensive line needs to be better. You need to continuously give him a pocket to keep him upright, let him dissect the field, go through his reads. He can make any throw at all three levels. So it's a it's really a two-man race with the quarterbacks to me. Richardson will go in the top ten because he has all the tools in the world. He's a really high-end talent. He needs a redshirt year. He's a really young guy. Levis is getting closer to yeah. 24. Richardson played the season as a 20-year-old, so he needs more seasoning. He needs more time like Mahomes got, like Jordan Love has gotten, although Jordan Love, they've left that one uh, sitting there a little bit too long, some would say. So I think at the end of the day, I would go all in for Bryce Young if the price was right. No problem with the consolation of Shroud. I think that's the best way to do it. But uh, 
even if the price is a little expensive. If the Colts, excuse me, much like the Jets, going through this quarterback carousel, you got an opportunity to solidify and get the best guy, assuming they believe he's the best guy, you pay that price and keep him out of Houston. Because the worst thing could happen in Indianapolis is you sat and waited, let Houston get the quarterback they wanted, and now you got to deal with him for the next 10, 12 years. The kid's the real deal. I agree with you. Bryce Young's that dude. I wouldn't worry about his size personally, but I get it. It's that time of year. We got to nitpick everything, right? Appreciate you, Connor. I'll see you in Indianapolis, brother. Thanks. I've been looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I think what I'm proudest about is, you know, I wanted to play in the NBA, but I also realized that one, I wasn't good enough, and two, it was hard to get there. So if I can't play in the NBA, best thing to do is figure out a way to be there. And I figured out a way to be there as a sports journalist. So uh, to be able to do that and have covered the NBA since 99 and to get to the Hall of Fame this way, uh, it's cool, man. <laughs> so I, like many people, refer to Mark J. Spears of Anscape as Big Bro. And not just because he's 6'7", but like Mark is just that dude when it comes to leadership and mentorship and pouring into people and supporting his brothers and sisters. Um, he's one of the most influential members of the sports task force over the years uh, when it comes to the National Association of Black Journalists. He's led the sports task force. Um, throws a damn good party at NABJ, by the way, sidebar. <laughs> um, but uh, I couldn't be prouder and happier of Mark J. Spears. Um, mm. Because nobody's more deserving of the Kurt Gowdy Media Award as bestowed upon him by the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. You heard his remarks just now. Uh, the award is named in honor, just to, so people can understand the significance of this, named in honor of the late Kurt Gowdy, legendary sports broadcaster, former Hall of Fame board member and president. This prestigious award is presented to members of the print, which Marks J. Spears is, print electronic and transformative media whose efforts have made a significant contribution to the game of basketball. Uh, you're a great storyteller, but when somebody tells the story of Mark J. Spears, what does this honor mean to you and your journey, Mark? Mm. I, I don't really like toot my own horn, man, but, you know, it, I, I think earlier what I said in the video is kind of where it all began. You know, I decided I wanted to be a sports writer in the seventh grade um, after hearing a stat that less than 2% of all uh, college basketball players make it to the NBA. I was a realistic kid. I, I knew that that was 
a long shot. And so I, I wanted to prepare myself just in case I couldn't make it. So, you know, I got some incredible guidance. Um, uh, there was a, a columnist named Mark Purdy from the San Jose Mercury News. I wrote him and he told me what to do from seventh grade through through college and uh, how to become a sports writer and it worked. And so uh, I probably had, I was told by a coach once, uh, Ed Epps, late Ed Epps from University of D.C., if you know if you cared about basketball as you much you, as, as you do that goddamn journalism, you'd be a hell of a player. Well, <laughs> I mean, I was playing at UDC, so I know the NBA wasn't calling me, right? So, you know, it all worked out, and, and I think it's perhaps it's the storytelling, it's the getting, you know, behind the curtain with players, it's it's talking about social justice and a lot of the things over the last couple of years that people are uncomfortable about, talking about race, uh, that perhaps that was what helped me get in. Um, and uh, I'm certainly, look, man, when it, when I get in on, on the 11th, bro, you better be there August 11th. You, it ain't that far away for you, so you better be there. August 11th, but, uh, I'm there. I'm absolutely yeah. there. Um, and I and, would just and, add to that, Mark. They can put my name in the closet. They can put it upside down, but I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> you in, brother. You in. You made it. I would just add to that, Natalie, before we pass to you, is like, and Natalie could attest to this, it is your work. You're, you're, you're a brilliant reporter and writer, but it's to me when I think of Mark Spears, I just think about the way you move and I think about the way you interact with everybody in the NBA community from players to executives to coaches to other media members and there's just this universal respect that stars and two-way players alike have for you as a, as a man. And I think I think that's what that's your biggest, if I may say so, your biggest Hall of Thank Fame you. quality. As great as your work is, your work ethic and the way that you just navigate is is something that I've always admired and looked up to. And I know Natalie got a chance to see it in person recently. <laughs> well, she was she was moving so much she had wasn't paying no attention to me, man. Not true. <laughs> Not true. I always check for the one on one with Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? She was I doing always... her thing. I always check for the goats like you and I mean I just want to keep giving you more flowers too because I saw that you're going to be a commencement speaker for Langston University so yes um just incredible and then I was just in awe even though it's probably second nature to you but you sat down with AI at all-star and you know like he's a cultural icon you know for you know in terms of just his NBA legacy and so People like me, I still get like awed, but are you in awe like when you sit down with like someone like AI to talk to them still, or is it just like second nature to you? Can it be both? <laughs> yes, it can. You, you know what I mean? I think that's I think that helps. Him. It helps if it's both. Yeah. yeah. It's probably like Mike with, you know, Tom Brady. He'd been around Tom Brady, but it's still Tom Brady, right? Um you know, I, I covered Allen for two years with the Denver Nuggets. And I think first, when I first got to be around him, I was expecting this ego. I was expecting this aura. And he was a superstar, don't get me wrong, right? He was, But once I was able to get past that bridge with him, man, he's one of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life, man. One of the sweetest and caring people that, like, when he sees you, he hugs you if he knows you. He asks how you're doing. And he, he just has so much... Um, passion for life and, and passion for being Allen Iverson and uh, <laughs> I don't know if he got bad at me or or but I know him really well probably too well 
And I didn't think anybody had asked him about John Thompson passing. And so when I talked to him at All-Star Weekend, and he graced me with some uh, amazing minutes, it's always amazing minutes we have, he looked at me, God damn, Mark. Hmm. Damn, why are you going to ask me about that? And I'm like, oh, man, my bad. Well, you know I'm going to talk about that. Like, so he ended up talking about that, tearing up and talking about John Thompson. So, you know, he is certainly one of my favorite people ever in this business, man. Uh, like, that's the, yeah, that's the video right here. He looked at me like, why are you going to break that? He said, why are you going to break that up, Paul? <laughs> but yep. he loved John Thompson like his own father. John, John and, Thompson saved his life, right? He yeah, said that, hadn't so, he? Yeah. It's, it's these conversations, man. That's what I love the most is, is being able to talk to people like him. And, you know, I miss my conversations with Kobe Bryant. But there's this, I, I truly believe that every player has a great story. You just got to find it. But with Allen, there's like, there's a hundred great stories with Allen Iverson, man. Of it's, course. It's, it's, it's always a joy talking to him. Of course. Mark, I, I can't let you be here and not ask you a question about the Warriors because, I mean, I wouldn't be doing a good job. Um, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just curious as we, this, this post um, All-Star break, Dre made some comments when he was on the broadcast like, it's the Warriors Invitational. It still goes through us. Do you think, and that there could be some history made as like one of the teams maybe in history to come, you know, be a low seed, lower seed and make it. Do you think that's possible for the Warriors? It's the Warriors Invitational until somebody knocks them out. They're champs. It's on the back of their, uh, you know, warm-up jackets until somebody knocks them out, no matter what their, you know, situation is. Yeah, he, he has the right to say that. And if they weren't champs, he, he couldn't. But they are champs till somebody proves otherwise. Now, was their situation amazing? No. It's, it's, it's certainly scary. Um, I think the key for the Warriors, I think the key for any team in the Western Conference right now is just being the top six. Just being the top six, man. Don't, don't get in that playing situation. Like, right now, it's very possible where it looks like, you know, the Warriors could be in another playing situation with the Lakers. Uh, they don't want that, Right. But I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, okay, if Denver's the top seed and the Warriors are eighth, who are you taking? The Warriors are healthy. <laughs> I'm taking the Warriors all day. Yeah. Okay, wait. All right. We got we got to let you go shortly. But bonus question. Bonus question. <laughs> Knowing that you would take the Warriors in that scenario, does that give you I hesitation? Say, third, third, that's the question. I asked the question. Okay. Okay, I asked this real quick and I need a quick answer because I gotta let you go. Is there any hesitation in voting for Nikola Jokic for a third straight MVP if you're not confident in his postseason capabilities? Right now I think it's Tatum. <laughs> so it's a moot point. It's a moot yeah. point. There you well, go. But you gotta remember that's a regular season record. Are you it's good? not a postseason record. So it's a regular season it. award. Thank like you. Natalie, we were both right. right we were both right. <laughs> Love you. Thank you, Spears. Love you. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, another one in the books. That's it for a Thursday edition of Brother from Another. Natalie and I will do this again tomorrow. We'll feature some of your comments. Natalie, I got to say, every day, you're just getting more and more Natalie. I'm getting more, <laughs> you're getting better at being yourself. You're taking over. I ain't going to have you much longer. Somebody going to come sign you that big contract. Oh, goodness. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bottom up, up, up. Bell one time on Friday. Participating McDonald's through 12 31 Excludes tax. Must update rewards.